welcome everybody back to another episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers, and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. The Team Blaney Podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been diehard followers of the Blaney Racing family for two decades. Today, we closely follow third-generation driver Ryan Blaney, who pilots the number 12 Ford Mustang for Team Penske on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit. Each week on the podcast, we will review Ryan's latest NASCAR race and then preview the race for the upcoming weekend, offering news, notes, statistics, and analysis. Steve, I'd like to welcome you back again to another episode of our here, our Team Blaney podcast, fresh off a disappointing weekend, I would say, at Nashville Super Speedway, NASCAR, the NASCAR Cup Series return there, not necessarily be because of the racing or the event itself or uh, the way the track handled everything, just one of those weekends where things didn't come together, but overall, I thought it was really cool uh, to have the sport back in the city-ish area of Nashville, uh, city-adjacent, I would say, back at the Nashville Super Speedway. Amazing that that track has set dormant for the last 10 years, and overall, the racing was pretty good. The surface held up pretty well, um, probably better than I really expected things would go. Yeah, it'll be... Um... You know, it'll be interesting because next year, new new car, new package, new everything. So, you know, whatever we learned this week, throw it out the window next year. Um, but uh, this week was a lot of learning going on uh, before the race and during the race. So uh, it was it was quite interesting. I, the passing was kind of weird because it, uh, it you could get behind somebody, but you could pass them. You just had to have the better car, and you can get on if you can get on the outside of somebody. So there, yeah, there was some good passing going on. Um, you know, Hendrick did its thing right now, and Hendrick is just dominant right now. So, somebody yeah. hopefully, hopefully somebody catches up. You know, what I thought was good throughout all of the races throughout the weekend, uh, going into this race, a lot of people were saying, "Oh, it's kind of a bottom feeder track." Um, they did put like a resin out on the track that it's not like the PJ One traction compound. This is just more to, I think, try to help. Uh, the way with the tire wear and getting the the rubber to lay down on the track properly, and I think it really worked out um, during qualifying and during the race. Uh, guys were kind of using multiple lanes or using both lanes on their qualifying laps and their laps during the race, and it seems like if you were able to master that and master the runs that you got on people, um, there was a lot of pretty decent racing and decent passing throughout all three NASCAR National Series this weekend. So. Why don't we go ahead and jump right into the race recap for Ryan Blaney, the NASCAR Cup Series debut at Nashville Super Speedway. Ryan Blaney, race recap. Nashville Super Speedway. All right, uh, we had stages of 90, 185, and 300. Uh, to the rear before the race started was the 43 and the 24, and they had the qualifying you know, in the morning, so um, they had to have some unapproved adjustments, basically. Um, and Ryan was going to be in pit stall number two um, behind Larson, actually, on pit road, uh, that they determined that ahead of time. So um, he was starting 10th in the, on the grid and should have moved up to 8th uh, with the 24 having to go to the back. Um, but something happened um, before the pace laps even started there. Uh, the way the cars entered the track, and this is something that, you know, maybe it's local knowledge that, you know, we, we weren't going to learn uh, – we learned the hard way, I guess, and uh, the left uh, rear quarter panel got damaged. So they came in before um, the green flag with one to go, actually, and hurry up and made sure it got fixed. Uh, yeah, they hooked the apron, basically, um, trying to get up onto the track. Uh, they did get it fixed. It looked like it was in good shape. Uh, they basically started in the rear, but you know what? They say, hey, you know what? We got the 300 laps, and uh, let's just go for it and see what we got. 
Um, and in the first corner <laughs> of the first lap, the double zero loses the wheel. This is amazing to me also because this car obviously practiced the day before and then did a qualifying lap uh, that morning. I don't know how you lose a wheel between the qualifying lap and the first lap of the race. As people will see uh, as we go through this race recap, loose wheels seem to be uh, uh, the norm. I don't know the norm, but <laughs> it ended up being a couple of storylines. Again, first lap, first turn, wheel goes flying off, and then there'll be some other loose wheel shenanigans that happen a little bit later on. Lap 2, 35th, get up to 29th by lap 8. 27th by lap nine um he says he has uh, he's uh, loose with no rear grip so he gives a little bit of feedback anticipating green flag pit stops at some point because uh, there was regular practice and qualifying so there's not going to be a competition caution he kind of settles into that 29th 28th lap 23 still 28th um todd says i see it you know a lot of work i have to do so basically they they know what they're missing here and they know what kind of adjustment they have to make Lap 33, passes the 34 for 27th, and he says he's losing the brakes here. And this is basically where he starts to recognize there's a problem. About five laps later, he just yells, I got no brakes, you know. So they hurry up and bring him in and pit. Uh, Four rounds of wedge at the left rear, pull the tape off the brake ducts. Lap 45, there's a caution for the eight, and he's telling them that he's got zero lateral grip, and he's in 31st at this point. And, you know, they lost the lap because the caution happened well. Some cars had not. You know, they had not cycled all the way through the pitting at this point. So um, they're thinking about a wave round, whether they're allowed to or not. I think they end up basically end up a lap down, though. And so they uh, talk about uh, what they're going to do when they pit here. Track track bar down four rounds, and they pull off all the brake, uh, brake duct tape at this point. He's 31st and one lap down. They tell him he's going to be racing the 6, 37, the 78, and the 8. And this kind of gives them an idea, you know, how to get to that lucky dog position. At lap 53, he's in 30th, and he lost the brakes. That was it. Um, he knows right away that something happened. He says something about the rotor blowing out, and uh, there's a real kind of scary grunt on the radio. Um, you know, it sounded like he got the wind knocked on him pretty good on that hit. It was a pretty bad hit. You know, we know at this point he's going to finish 38th. I uh, was just really glad he got out of the car. Josh gave him direction that somebody was coming to get him. Um, he did a nice interview afterward, after the care center, talking about all the good things that they are trying to do. Hopefully, this is just one of those mechanical things that just happens once in a great while, and hopefully, uh, you know, it's not some sort of problem that people are having. Yeah, really, just a really, really tough weekend. There's really no way to, to sugarcoat this one. They had some difficulties getting damage before the, the green flag started. Now, it's worth mentioning that the 12 team was not the only one that had brake issues throughout the day. This kind of was a trend um, throughout the entire race. Lots of guys kind of shouting the same thing. I have no brakes. Um, I'm not sure if it was an issue with the brake package or too much tape on the front. I mean, I'm not an engineer. I can't really diagnose a lot of those problems. Just the fact that there were multiple cars that did experience the same type of thing, did say the same type of thing that I, they think they blew a rotor out, slammed into the wall, rode the wall, just like Ryan did, kind of took a pretty hard hit there. So, yeah, just really no way to sugarcoat this weekend. Did not, you know, obviously, didn't gain any stage points. Um, the only positive uh, about anything was that he did make a pass after falling out of the race when um, I would mention the, the, the loose wheel issues that we had. So uh, Chase Elliott ended up being disqualified, and that nine team was disqualified for having five 
loose lug nuts at the end of the race. Now, you're used to that one loose lug nut in the, what, $10,000 fine or something. Two, the crew chief gets suspended. But after two, the car itself is disqualified from the race and is credited with a last place finish. So Ryan made one pass uh, after falling out of the race, and that was just from Chase Elliott falling behind due to the disqualification. What's interesting is, is once you get past three or whatever, there's no crew chief ejection penalty, which is kind of weird. It's like it should be worse each each one that you lose, but at, at the point they get past, I think, three, then that's it. You can do four or five, and you don't lose any crew members next week. You just lose the positions. It's definitely weird, but you do take a big hit as far as money and points go. So I don't know if that's what they just see. Like, that's like the most severe penalty you can get is losing the race, and uh, that's worse than losing your crew chief. But you'd think that that crew chief part's just kind of a middle stop there and then gets worse from there. But either way, it's, it doesn't affect the 12 team uh, other than them gaining at least one more spot uh, there at Nashville Super Speedway. Obviously, I think, like you said, Kyle Larson went on to dominate uh, another race, and Hendrick Motorsports is... Everyone talked about them a couple of years ago when it seemed like they couldn't get things together. Racing is cyclical. They've climbed back to the top of the mountain, and they have a driver in Kyle Larson that just has the talent and uh, equipment to win four races in a row, three points races in a row, and the all-star race to make it four. So really impressive what they're doing. And I know that the the crew and all the, the men and women at Team Penske are probably working feverishly trying to uh, figure out what they can do to catch up to uh, that Hendrick Motorsports juggernaut. Next season, they won't have to worry about loose lug nuts. If you leave one lug nut loose next year, you're in deep trouble. Yeah, that might be a problem. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so it was short and sweet, but (laughs) unfortunately, that was our uh, race recap for Ryan Blaney in uh, the NASCAR Cup Series debut race at Nashville Super Speedway. Let's take our weekly look into the history of NASCAR. This week in NASCAR history. Up first for this week in NASCAR history, we're going back to June 25th, 1950. Jimmy Florian scores the first NASCAR Grand National win for the Ford nameplate in the 100-mile race on the high banks of Dayton. That's right, Dayton, not Daytona. Dayton, Ohio Speedway. Florian opts not to wear a shirt while driving in the searing hot race. Up next, we have June 27th, 1965. Kale Yarborough drives Kenny Myler's Ford to his first career NASCAR Grand National win at Valdosta, Georgia. Yarborough takes the lead 18 laps from the finish when engine problems end GC Spencer's bid for victory. Moving on, June 24th, 1973, David Pearson noses out Buddy Baker in the Motor State 400 at Michigan, the first race staged at the two-mile oval since Roger Penske became the owner and promoter. The race is the only NASCAR event at Michigan in 1973. Penske elects to replace the summer NASCAR Winston Cup Grand National event with an IndyCar race. June 21st, 1981, Bobby Allison rockets from 7th to 1st on the final green flag lap to win at Michigan International Speedway. Ten cars were involved in the final dash when Kyle Petty blew an engine, oiling down the second turn. The lead cars spun out, but Allison snaked his way through the carnage. I want to kind of see some video of that. Yeah, it's never, <laughs> it's never particularly good when oil is out all over the track. Mm-mm. 
And finally, June 22nd, 1997, Jeff Gordon christens the new California Speedway with a win in the California 500, the inaugural event on the two-mile oval. Terry Labonte takes second, giving Hendrick Motorsports another 1-2 finish. They need to stop that. (laughs) Hendrick Motorsports, dominating since 1997 and beyond. That's it for this week in NASCAR history. Tune in next week, and I'll take everyone on another trip through the history of NASCAR. All right, everyone, we want to welcome Kevin Teal, the manager of marketing communications for Pocono Raceway, the Team Blaney podcast. Kevin, thank you for coming on to the show. And it's a busy week for you guys at Pocono, from what I understand. Yeah, thanks for thanks for inviting me on. It's uh, it's busy. It's crazy. Yesterday, we just announced that uh, camping is completely sold out, which is crazy. I I, uh, I manage the social media, and like I said it in my personal accounts, like it's like honestly one of the coolest things i've ever posted like to say that we're sold out of camping and we even added spots this year too which is um crazy to think about we added a couple hundred close to a thousand spots this year so it's cool it's busy and uh it's only gonna get busier but it's what we're we're all here for is that like one of the first time that's ever happened like it seems like it's like crazy right now like yeah, I mean, I've been there since 2013, so it's definitely um, it's never happened uh, since I've been there. But, um, you know, and it's unique, too. Um, last year, we went to this new doubleheader format, so we went from two weekends to the one weekend. We obviously saw our two um, NASCAR Cup Series races. Um, so if you think about it that way, we've kind of combined our camping crowds, so we knew it was going to be big to begin with. You know, last year before COVID hit, we were tracking for the same exact thing to happen. Um, which is cool. And, and uh, you guys both know, I mean, our infield is massive. We have plenty of space um, around the whole entire property. So uh, it's going to be packed. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, and we can't wait to, to open up camping uh, registration this Thursday at nine o'clock. So last year, obviously you guys were making a ton of preparations uh, when the season had started. And then obviously the pandemic hit, you guys still have the double header did it at least kind of give you a leg up for this year and then finally being able to welcome fans? Are you guys probably also really excited just to have fans back in general? Yeah, yeah. We were we were tracking, like I just said, we were tracking very good um, going into to last March before this all went down. It was it was looking up. People were, were digging the, the idea of the doubleheader, um, what it's going to bring, you know, with the first race um, happening and then the second race will invert the top 20, which we're going to do again this year. Um, so all those new concepts were really we're really excited to to bring, and then obviously COVID hit, um, and we still were able to have the doubleheader last year, obviously without fans. So it was uh, and it worked, right? It worked, uh, and it brought a new aspect uh, to Pocono. Pocono has always been a strategy track. People always talk about you know the different strategies. You have to almost treat it like a road course, all that stuff. Um, and just the doubleheader format is just a whole other aspect to the strategy. So it was cool on the competition side to to kind of have a run at it last year. Um, but we missed the fans. It was so weird to be in the grandstand without the fans. It was terrible. I never want to, never want to experience it again. Um, so this year we, uh, we're going to run it with fans and it's going to be excited and the crowd's going to be huge. And, you know, as, as long as, uh, everybody does us a favor and picks up after them after the, uh, first race, that'd be, that'd be great. So we can clean the grandstand and get ready for round two on Sunday. So what do you what are your duties like normally during a normal week, and then what are your duties going to be like on this weekend coming up? Because I know you got to do probably extra different things on on the weekend. Yeah, I mean, so so uh, myself in particular, you know, we have a, a pretty small marketing communications team. There's about uh, four of us or so on the team. Um, so me personally, I handle all the social media. I do um, a lot of the website updates on our website. 
um, and, and, and things like that. So that's kind of my day to day, you know, managing the social media schedule and stuff like that. And then, you know, on race weekend, it's kind of all hands on deck. You know, you have your, your, your jobs and everybody, you know, everybody on our staff, we're, we're staff of 20, 25, 30 full-time employees. Um, and we expand to into the thousands with our, our volunteer help and, and everybody that comes to, to work on race weekends as well too. Um, but it's kind of all hands on deck, you know, I'm, I'm going to be out there trying to, to bring to life um, what's going on in the track and highlighting certain things that we're doing around on social media still. Um, and as well as, you know, uh, creating hype in, in our fanfare area. So we have a whole bunch of vendors and displays and fanfare. We have our fan welcome center that our fan council mans. We're going to have a um, fan stage out there with uh, some acoustic music. Um, we're going to do virtual driver Q&As. We can't do actual driver Q&As. Uh, just yet so we're going to have a big screen out there and you know we're going to have it so that the fans can actually interact with the driver on the screen um, through that so you know it's just managing that and, and and going around and you know if people have questions or or can't find this can't find that you know that's kind of what we're, we're there for is to help uh, the fans get around the place is there anything that you would say diff i mean obviously pocono's track shape is different than anything else, but is there anything that a fan could experience at Pocono that you think they can't experience anywhere else on the circuit? Yeah, I think our big thing is, um, and it runs so true, you know, we're family owned and operated and we always have been. Uh, the Mattioli family has been a fixture in the sport and, and at Pocono Raceway, obviously, since the beginning. Um, and, and it runs through, you know, uh, Nick Igdalski is our CEO. He's a grandson of Doc Mattioli. Um, and there's countless other family members um, that, that still uh, work at the track on a daily basis. And, and um, that's what we pride ourselves on. You know, we pride ourselves on being that family run track and being like that home track um, to all the Pennsylvania fans. Pennsylvania fans are awesome. You know, we're doing this thing this year, 50 years of the Tricky Triangle are celebrating our 50th uh, year. Uh, 1971 was the first race on the 2.5. Uh, and we're talking to a lot of drivers and, and they always say how much Pocono was just a family reunion for them you know their kids would want to come up and spend the weekend in the Pocono Mountains and and we just try to bring that welcome family vibe um, and you know that's what we hold our hat on. Can you talk a little bit about um, so you guys just announced the sponsorships for the races in the upcoming weekend so you have the Pocono Organic CBD 325 and the Explore the Pocono Mountains 350. Now, obviously, the CBD sponsorship is kind of a new new territory, um, probably for NASCAR itself, and then potentially even race teams. Can you are you guys excited to kind of venture out into something new and bring something new to the the community and the sport? Yeah, that's very exciting. You know, the other year uh, we actually uh, opened up across the street. Uh, Pocono Organics uh, is actually run uh, by the uh, granddaughter of Doc Mattioli, uh, Ashley Walsh, too. So. Um, we're really excited about that. You know, we were, we're working closely with NASCAR to, to kind of make this happen and kind of be the gold standard, I guess, for, for um, bringing CBD in. And, and, you know, we followed all their processes and, and uh, it's going to be cool. It's, it's cool to highlight their product line of uh, CBD products and, and their market and cafe as a whole over across the street. You know, they're doing great things um, over there at Pocono Organics and, uh Man, I'll tell you what, the cafe, the food is great. We go over there every Friday uh, afternoon for lunch, me and some of the guys we work with, and we, we always enjoy a good meal with them. So it's, it's really cool to, uh, to kind of be the, the first, in a sense, in this, in this uh, realm and uh, kind of see where it goes from there. What are some of the things like your pre-race, post-race, or even between the races that um, 
that fans can interact with and something that you're looking forward to that you guys have scheduled for this weekend that uh, might be something you've never done before? You know, it, our, um, I'll, I'll talk two things, kind of on the camping side uh, and then also on the, on the grandstand fanfare side. Our infield block party um, is, is a normal fixture in our camping area, but this year it's, it's going to be bigger and better than, than normal. Obviously, with the camping crowd, we're going to have bands playing Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. Uh, and then before that, we have our Pocono Mountains Activities and Welcome Center in the infield. So that's going to be an area where people that are camping during the day, you know, even though that there's races going on literally all day long, right? 12 o'clock, uh, both Saturday, Sunday, and then followed by the cup race. But there's also going to be activities in that uh, activities and welcome center. So racing is your thing, but you're in the infield. Um, you can, you know, there's paint and sips and there's uh, going to be bingo and, and stuff like that in, in the infield, uh, the Pocono Mounds activities and welcome center. Uh, and then, like I mentioned on Fanfare, you know, we're going to be uh, 8 a.m. The gates open Saturday, Sunday, and, and there'll be uh, live music, DJ playing music, our Fanfare. We have countless displays in Fanfare. Uh, it's going to be bigger than in, in a couple years past. So uh, that's going to be fun. We have a free carnival for kids. Um, kids Day is on Friday. We have Valley Rally Children's Hospital Kids Day. Uh, we have Kids Zone in, in Fanfare. So there's there's something for everybody, you know, and, and that. Fanfare is going to stay open uh, between the races and, and uh, you know, carry on. So if, if you get in, you know, late for the uh, the truck race or the Xfinity race and you want to check out Fanfare first, if that's for you or you need a break from the racing, come on down. we got something for you back behind the grandstand. Now, obviously, we're fans of Ryan Blaney, Dave Blaney. Um, Ryan's had a lot of success success at Pocono. He's won a truck series race there. Obviously won his first NASCAR Cup Series race there a few years ago while you would have been employed at Pocono. Um, so that's who we're fans of. Did you grow up being a fan of NASCAR or did you kind of slide into this after uh, getting into this job there under uh, the social media side yeah, of things? I, yeah, I grew up being a fan. I've been a fan since um, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe eight, nine years old yeah. uh, or whatever. I remember going to my first race at Dover and seeing Jeff Gordon's in the, the rainbow pen scheme. Uh, so that, that was my driver growing up. Um, but I, uh, yeah, so I was a fan and then I uh, was lucky enough to get an internship at Pocono Raceway. Cause I was like, what do I want to do? You know, what do I want to, how do what do I want to work and do for the rest of my life? And I was like, I want to work in NASCAR cause I like it. Right. And it worked out. I've stayed and it's a lot of fun. It, it's, it's a, it's a dream job to really actually just talk about something that you love every single day. Like you guys are doing with this podcast, right? Like I talk about NASCAR every single day. So like, I, I never feel like I'm working a day in my life, but uh, me too. I mean, Bl Blaney, um, he's always been great to us uh, here at the track. Obviously, he got his first win uh, in the Cup Series, and uh, we recently talked to him on our podcast and how much that means to him winning for the Wood Brothers. And I remember just the crowd that day. It was it was awesome uh, in 2017. You know that battle with Harvick. Um, that's a moment I won't um, forget from the racetrack. That was honestly one of my favorite uh, wins I've witnessed at the track so far. Yeah, did you send him some swag last week on his his podcast? He he said all the tracks had to send him some. Oh, you did? No, I, I did hear that. Um, but they also <laughs> they also then told us not to. Which <laughs> on my drive home, I remembered like taking a mental note, like ah, we should send it anyway. But I think we we probably missed that. We missed that boat. We were a little busy. They were right. They know. We'll send them something afterwards though, and and, and we'll, we'll we'll get them talking about us when not many people are so what uh what other kind of creatures besides bears can people see out that way <laughs> we just had a turtle on track the other day 
I got that sent to me, and I was like, oh, wow, that's a first. But then I learned it wasn't a first. There was apparently a turtle back in 2011 that I missed. So um, apparently apparently there's turtles, but we, we safely removed him. We, you know, we see deer all the time. I know they, they tell stories about deer running across the, the track before the safer barrier or the, uh, the catch fence was up around the track. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, our mascot, Tricky, Tricky the Fox, that, that's probably the number one thing I'd still see around the racetrack, so I understand why we decided to, to choose a fox. The bear was wild, for the people that uh, haven't seen it yet. We had a bear walk across our tunnel the other the other month, and our security, night security, got the video, and, and I'm glad he was the one out there, because I don't know if I would have been stable enough to get a, a steady video like he did. All right, well, Kevin, I just really want to thank you uh, for coming on to the podcast. Um giving us some of your time getting ready for this weekend i know it's um it's going to be a big weekend for you guys and thanks for uh thanks for all the work that you're doing and thanks for coming on to talk to us yeah guys thanks i appreciate the invite ryan blaney weekend preview pocono raceway well steve we just had the opportunity to talk to kevin teal from pocono raceway so i think now would be the perfect time for us to jump into our nascar Cup Series preview of this weekend's races at Pocono for the Pocono Organic CBD 325 and explore the Pocono Mountains 350, a doubleheader weekend, but there's no practice, no qualifying, but plenty of racing for the fans in attendance and the fans at home watching on TV to take in. And as a Blaney fan, probably one of our favorite races of the year, at least more nostalgic as Ryan Blaney captured his first NASCAR Cup Series win there in 2017 and also owns a win there in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. If we take a look at Ryan Blaney's stats over the years at Pocono, kind of came out of the gate good. Um, Ten starts there, one win, one top five, four top tens. His first three finishes at Pocono in the Cup Series, 10th, 11th, and then first. That victory coming in the spring race of 2017 overall he has an average start of 13.3 and an average finish of 12.6 so not necessarily his best track when it comes to to sit when it comes to statistics but overall it's a pretty decent and consistent track for ryan when he was in the 21 car and then also when he moved over to the number 12 car so doubleheader last year he finished 12th in the first race 22nd in the second race so a little bit of work to do and we're definitely looking to bounce back i would think uh, from the tough weekend we just got off of in nashville yeah this is the fun track um just because of the strategy um kevin mentioned it even when we were talking to him uh you got to race it backwards sometimes like like it's a road course um and you can pit not lose a lap beyond the lead lap and with the two stage breaks that are going to be in there and um and the competition caution will be in there. Um, you might take that pit stop early, gain the gain the position back on everybody on the uh, pit stop. You know, I mean, there's so many different things that are going to happen. In uh, and I think I, that I saw something where Ryan's going to start 26, 27, 28th in that range, and I guarantee you by the end of the first stage he's in the top 10. You know, there's enough cars that. Uh, they are definitely better than that they'll pass right away in their first the first couple laps should be great to watch because they go down that long straightaway and get four five six wide before they get to turn one and i guarantee you if he's got the momentum he's going to pass a bunch of cars yeah so it's, it's always a i mean it, it can depend when they've gotten into this new format where i think they've lowered the amount of laps so 325 miles in this first race uh, 350 miles in the second race 
it's I think made the racing a little bit more exciting at Pocono. Made it um, you had to you couldn't just ride around all race long and then finally okay if we're finally onto the last hundred miles here let's let's turn things on now pretty much from the start especially with stage racing too involved you really have to be on it from the beginning so i think we're in for a treat here being able to watch ryan hopefully drive his way up through the field yeah the weekend's full too because saturday saturday at noon i think is the truck race and then sunday at noon is the xfinity race so um get your popcorn get your beverages ready stay hydrated um and you know go from one to the next one to the next uh you know this whole weekend should be great so the saturday race again it's 325 miles the stage breaks are coming at lap 25 lap 77 and then lap 130 is when the checkered flag falls for the sunday event 350 miles the stage breaks come at lap 30 lap 85 and then lap 140 is when the checkered flag flies when the checkered flag flies so like you were just saying, tons of racing that you can take in this weekend. If we wanted to take a look back since Ryan Blaney won his first cup race in 2017 at Pocono, let's take a look at the other drivers that have gone to victory lane. We have Kyle Busch. We have Martin Truex Jr. Kyle Busch won back-to-back in 2018 and 2019. Denny Hamlin won the second race in 2019. Now, if you go remember last year, Kevin Harvick won the first race in the doubleheader at Pocono, and then Denny Hamlin won the second race. So lots of Denny Hamlin, lots of Kevin Harvick, lots of Kyle Busch in this lineup. Martin Truex has had a decent year also this year. So um, plenty of those guys are still doing fairly well, though. Hamlin is little trending down a little bit. Harvick had a little bit better weekend this past weekend, but both of them are still surprisingly searching for their first win in the cup series this year after almost dominating the entire of 2020. Hopefully there's no fog. This was the race. Uh, it was uh, 2016 where the uh, fog, well, the race got delayed. I think a day and ended up on Monday or Tuesday and the fog rolled in and uh, Chris Busher was in the lead and then nobody could see what to do. Yeah. I, I do remember being upset uh, at that point because Ryan was, I don't know if he was a rookie yet or still a rookie that season, but hadn't won a cup race yet. And Busher's out there, and, a, and Chris Busher's the one that wins a cup race before Ryan Blaney. And um, I was a little bit uh, sad that day. <laughs> but we come back there the next year, and Ryan ends up going to victory lane. So it all worked out in the end. So, again, if you want to tune in this weekend for the huge doubleheader weekend at Pocono Raceway, as Kevin mentioned, fans are in the stands. It's going to be kind of an electric atmosphere out there in the Pocono Mountains. You can tune in on Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern time for the Cup Series race, the Pocono Organic CBD 325. Turn around, get some rest. 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday for the Explore the Pocono Mountains 350. You can catch both of those races on NBCSN. I mentioned it last week. We have transitioned on from Fox. We are now into the NBC properties for the rest of the season. You can listen to it on MRN and SiriusXM NASCAR radio. Steve, we just talked about some of the guys that you might want to look at um, this weekend when it comes to fantasy. But before we get to our picks, let's go ahead and recap uh, the week that was in the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League, um, we were just at the Nashville Super Speedway. I honestly had no idea who to pick going into this race, but let's take a look at the people that 
ended up doing pretty well. I'm going to go run down through the top five in points earned for the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League at Pocono. We had Go Larson in first with 232 points. We had Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing with 231. Moon Cup in third with 227. Team Penske in fourth with 226. And The Nutty Gamer rounding out the top five with 215 points. So, Steve, as I was saying, I had no idea who to start this weekend. I was kind of looking at the past, looking at the guys that won in the Xfinity Series, looking at the guys that won at the Truck Series. The last time we visited Nashville Super Speedway, that concrete 1.33-mile oval. My starters were Joey Logano, who had a victory there, Alex Bowman, who was Hendrick Motorsports. I thought he was due. Um, Eric Almirola, uh, that pick purely based on him securing the pole, which totally surprised me. Uh, Matt Benedetto, who had a pretty decent uh, run in qualifying and just seemed like he was going to be one of those guys that had some speed. I, and I had Kyle Busch as my last starter, and I had Brad Keselowski in the garage, and I kept him in the garage because it was not that great of a day for the Penske drivers outside of Joey Logano. Uh, for the bonus for the bonus picks, I had picked Bowman to win. That didn't work out. I picked Larson to be the top Chevrolet. That did work out. I picked Logano to be the top Ford. That did not play for me. Denny Hamlin is the top Toyota. Again, he had trouble right at the end of the race. I think he had to come down pit road. Um, but these other two bonus uh, areas, I picked Chevy as the top manufacturer and Hendrick Motorsports as the top team. And uh, quite honestly, I don't see myself changing those picks for the next several races until I see those guys uh, kind of trip up. Yeah, I I, I kind of went toward the Toyota Kyle Busch uh, route on this whole thing. Um, Kyle Busch, Alex Bowman, DiBedetto, Amarola because he was on the pole, and then Byron were my starters. Um, Keselowski in the garage, same thing. Um, and I I picked Kyle Busch to win the race. I kind of thought him having a practice was going to help him. Um, I had Byron as the top Chevy. That didn't work out. Ryan I had as the top Ford. That didn't work out. And then I went Toyota as the manufacturing. Gibbs as the, as the winner because I thought, well, we're just going to go with Kyle, Kyle, Kyle. And, um, yeah, no, I think you're right. From here on in, I'm just going to pick Hendrick and Chevy until they prove me otherwise, you know. So taking a look at the overall league standings after the race at Nashville Super Speedway, in first place we have Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing. Which, speaking of Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing, I just saw on Twitter that Corey LaJoy is going to be running a Stroker Ace throwback scheme at Kansas. Sponsored by Circle B Diecast, has the chicken on the side. Um, so I think that, uh, that'll be a favorite of, of Steve's when he sees that one. Fastest chicken in the South. <laughs> Cluck for me. In second, we have Moon Cup with 3,445 points. In third, we have Doug K0525 with 3,311 points. Holding down the fourth position, we have Mez12 with 3,295 points. In fifth, we have Rogue Tough. In sixth, we have Glitterbugs. In seventh, we have Blaney Kicks Beep. In eighth, we have Vans12. In ninth, we have Go Larson, who was the top point skinner at Nashville. And then in tenth, we have Supermod with 3,177 points. For my fans that are interested, down in the 26th position is Team Blaney Admin with 2,916 points. So, as I said at the top of this segment, who are you looking at going into this doubleheader weekend at Pocono Raceway? The Hamlins, the Harvicks, the Hamlins, the Harvicks, the Bushes. Martin Truex Jr., Ryan Blaney, 
looking back at the last several years, those are the guys that have gone to victory lane. Do you see any of those guys taking being a, a crucial part of your lineup this weekend? Yeah, you know, I, I want to go with those Toyotas, but uh, there's something going on in Hendrick right now that nobody else uh, can figure out. They've got something right. And, um, yeah, I might pick three or four Hendrick cars in the lineup just to, just to you know, make sure that I have some top finishers because they're they're there right now. Right now, there's nothing. Um, nobody else can figure it out. They've they've got something right that nobody else has. So, inverting the field's not going to hurt anything on Sunday. Um, so, I mean, you you got to make sure that you set two different lineups too, because it it does tell you that once the one race is done, they're pretty much going to think have the thing set up for you to hurry up and set your lineup for the next day. So. You know, if your your guy finishes twentieth on Saturday, he'll be on the pole on Sunday. So, yeah, one of those weekends where you can't just set it and forget it on a Saturday. You got to make sure you keep up with it all the way throughout the weekend. So, Steve, I think that pretty much wraps things up for this episode of the Dean Blaney Podcast. I want to thank once again Kevin Teal from Pocono Raceway for joining and talking to us a little bit about this doubleheader weekend that they have coming up. Yeah, Kevin, um, if you guys follow social media at all the pocono raceway twitter is one of the more entertaining twitters on on all of uh of the internet um great pictures great uh funny things are done little videos are put up um you ever go to their website there's the tricky chronicles uh they put three seasons of those together some of them with with tricky the fox um so yeah follow kevin follow pocono raceway best you can um, there's some great stuff online to look at all right, thank you everyone for tuning in to this episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, please listen to our first episode that really dives deep into how we both became fans of the Blaney Racing family. If you'd like to interact with us, you can find Team Blaney on Twitter at Team Blaney and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Team Blaney. And hey, we even have an Instagram if you look up Team Blaney on there. Uh, when we head out to the races, I know I have Atlanta coming up, Steve's going out to Road America, probably adding some more photos there to the Instagram account. Don't forget to also download, rate, and subscribe to the Team Blaney to the Team Blaney podcast on the Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all of your favorite podcasting apps. Once again, I'd like to close out the show to remind you to check out the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. This organization, established in 2018, supports causes that have closely impacted the Blaney family, including the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine. You can find out more about the foundation on its website, RyanBlaneyFamilyFoundation.org on Twitter at RBFamFoundation, and finally on Facebook at Facebook.com slash RBFamilyFoundation. Yeah, please check them out. They do exciting, great things every every couple weeks. They've got some different fundraisers. Um, and for the, the longest day this past weekend, they had the uh, Blaney uh, Trivia Night that they put together. Um, that, and who won uh, that, Steve? Who won that? Um, uh, my wife won it, actually. Oh. She, had me put, she let me push the buttons. Two-time defending trivia night champions. Champions. So um, we're gonna figure out something there. We donate the winnings back no matter what. But uh, it was more fun than anything else, and we really enjoyed doing it. And uh, like I said, they always have entertaining things um, to interact with them. And the Blaney Bunch now is another way to uh, to donate and help, and, and you join that that fan club, and uh, you get great interactive stuff from them uh, online through the fan club. So you know. Always check them out online. Always check out what they're doing because there, there's always something new that they post up there for you once in a while that you can interact with and enjoy. And check out our special episode that we had with the 
Foundation Executive Director Aaron Blaney a couple episodes ago here on the Team Blaney Podcast. So for my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time on the Team Blaney Podcast.